and welcome back to the Vaulting Pod. Today I'm talking to Ninkadu Wolf from the Netherlands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And thank you for inviting me for the podcast. Yeah, and thank you so thank you so much, you two, to being on board with me today. Well, sure. tell me, who are you? What are you doing in the vaulting world? <laughs> Where am I? Well, so I'm Ninkadu Wolf and I'm living in the Netherlands. Um, there I have my own stable where I train vaulting horses. I train with my vaulters. Um, we do a part of selling vaulting horses and I have built the online vaulting academy. Um, and besides that, I'm also coaching dressage riders and dressage training. And um, then in my spare time, I'm studying for psychology um, because I thought I could always learn something more. Um, and I think that's an interesting part about coaching. Um, yeah, to work more on the mental part of falters and to get them yeah mentally stable and being able to do the job in the arena so i'm doing that and besides that i'm also doing a coach education for a top sport coach um yeah uh, uh, instructor's license that's the highest level in the netherlands um so i signed up for that and that's a two years education so i'm doing that as well and then I have a few minutes left in, in a week and then I'm still president of the vaulting department from the um, basic levels vaulting in Holland. So actually that's kind of it. So it's a lot of vaulting, it's a lot of horses, it's a lot of business. Um, yeah, and that's how I fill my weeks. And yeah. also you're a photographer as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot that part because I thought I have to find something like a hobby that I'm not earning money with. And then I figured out, oh, photography, that's really nice. And then I start to do that and people start to ask me if I could do it. And then it's also a new business. But it's <laughs> really nice because it's something different uh, than all the horses. Because, yeah, I think 50% of my customers are like horse people and 50% is something totally different. So that's nice. And then I can be a bit creative and, um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, thank you for reminding me for that part of my life. <laughs> yeah, I just realized it because I have seen pictures from you when you have been posting them on social media. Very nice pictures, by the way, so... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> totally um, a good person to ask if you want to have any good pictures of horses or other themes, I think. Um, yeah. So go yeah, and I check it to. out if you haven't seen Ninka's photos. I think they're lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, making photos and um, yeah, trying to show how someone really is and and like the yeah real beauty of things and not just the standard photos. You know, I don't like standard. I just want something different. So, but I'm still trying and learning, and I don't have so much time to develop myself in that part. So it's going slow, but I enjoy it. And yeah, well, we will see. I guess you must have a lot to do too since you have horses and I mean all horse people know that it's a lot of time you have to spend on just keeping the horses to make them live to have food on the table for the horses and <laughs> cleaning yeah. the stalls and yeah there's so much to it and a lot of hours you will maybe never get paid yeah you got it so uh it's amazing how you how you can squeeze in all of that you just talked about but um yeah just personally, I feel uh, a lot with you because I'm also 
little bit of a multi-talent because it's just you start to get interested in something then you can't stop um looking for more information because you want to know more yeah. about it and then you're stuck yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly that's how it goes and it all starts with a nice idea and then it end up that it's filling a few hours of your time every week but that's nice and i think when you're like a busy person it's always easier to squeeze something extra in your program in a week so yeah for me an hour extra somewhere I always find the time to do it because I'm busy the whole day and I think you learn how to be um, smart with your time and how yeah. to um, yeah how to organize your life that you can fit everything in so I start very early and I work until very late so most of the time like 10 11 in the evening and I don't have weekends, um, but I just work with, I like everything I do. So for me, that's fine. If I'm sitting on the couch doing nothing, I feel like, oh shit, I have to do something. <laughs> you know? So it's, yeah, yeah, it's working. And I am fortunate because I have some girls at home who are working at my barn and they are doing most of the job. So they are doing the stables, taking the horses in and out. So doing all the stuff that takes a lot of time from you so I can focus more on coaching training the horses and stuff like that so actually that's really helpful because if they are not there then I couldn't do all the extra things because it takes just so much time to train and and keep 15 horses at your barn and manage it all so yeah yeah I'm lucky I think <laughs> well that is amazing that you can like work on the top of your um of your uh, knowledge and um, yeah, but, but yeah. tell me, how did it all start? I'm so curious. Oh yeah, a long time ago. Um, when I was something like five or six year old, I think, um, we went to Germany to, um, to family. And then I saw, saw vaulting. I saw that my cousins were doing vaulting and I was like, oh, I want to do that too. Wait, so how, then old my parents, were you? how old were you? Five or six. All right. Yeah, very young. And uh, so then my parents found a club kind of close 20 minutes away so I started to do vaulting and I started with riding and as a kid I was always very enthusiastic and always trying to develop things and I was always yeah always busy to create new ideas and think about my business and stuff like that so I was born that way I think mm -hmm. and um, so I started with vaulting and then I started with riding and um, yeah then somehow when I was like 14, I thought it was boring at my vaulting club because they couldn't challenge me that much on my level. So I was looking around, going to camps, um, tried to train with other people. So I was kind of going out of the comfort zone because from our club, it was not supported to do that. Um, so then I saw that there was like a big vaulting world around my club. I never knew it existed. And then Cynthia Dunfers, well, I think most of the people know her. She's currently the coach of the Dutch vaulting squad. She um, did a clinic at our club. And then she mentioned to me like, yeah, but if you really want to continue with vaulting on another level, you have to buy your own horse and then just do your own thing because you're kind of stuck at the club. And then I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. And uh, I think I was 16 by then. And uh, I thought, yeah, I can buy my own horse. So when I was 17, right before my uh, exams from school, I bought a horse. 
And um, my dad was really happy with that. And my mom was super angry because she mentioned, how can you buy a horse when you're living in the middle of the city? You have to do your uh, high school exams. And well, you, you don't have place to, to stable the horse and you don't know how to do it. And I was like, yeah, but I already bought it. So, you know, um, and I managed it. So I found a stable and I managed everything. So that worked out kind of well. And the horse became a good folding horse, actually. So then... Cynthia again asked me to um, launch this horse at uh, international competitions for her falters from the club. And then, yeah, I was kind of honored that she asked me. So, of course, that was possible. And that way I kind of rolled in the vaulting scene, the international vaulting scene. And then she said, yeah, but then you have to come to our club to train as well, <laughs> to train yourself. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, good idea. But it was two hours away from my um, from my place. So. Oh, wow. It was a bit difficult to fit it in my schedule and um, I was not super talented for vaulting. So I had to train a lot actually. And, um, but then I was training at her place and I really enjoyed it, but I figured out that I was enjoying the horse part more. I was better in lunging and I liked to train my horses and I loved the vaulting sport, but somehow it was not my discipline to really, yeah, do the vaulting. So I did international competitions and I competed a lot, but then I thought, okay, I continue with lunging. So I think I was like 20, 21, something like that. And then I lunged a lot for them. Then I bought my second horse, Dutch Elliot. I think a lot of people know him. He competed a lot. It's a bit of crazy horse, but I really love him. Um, yeah. And then I continued with, with that part. And then somehow people start to train with me on my horse and then kind of a little club, uh, came at my barn and, um, yeah. And then it kind of explodes. I don't know. It just goes that way. You know, if you just, um, accept all the challenges in life and you say yes to a lot of things, then somehow you end up with having a life like I'm having now, I think. And, um, yeah and I think my business my real business started when I was I think I was 23 something like that and I was coaching a lot already and I was um yeah training a lot of horses and selling horses and then I thought oh I have to sign myself in as a business you know for the taxes and stuff like that and yeah so I just had to do that because of formalities and then well I signed up my company and yeah, then it started to grow and grow and grow. And yeah, now I'm here. <laughs> so that's kind of my life in a nutshell. <laughs> and do you enjoy it? Uh, yes, yes, I do. Yeah, I like it that it has so many different things in it. So one moment I'm riding horses, the other moment I'm just looking at very difficult um, papers for the federation and the other moment I'm, I'm coaching dressage riders then I'm traveling to other countries and I'm buying horses selling horses. it's so many different things and um, I love that I like to be challenged in life so yeah I really like my life sometimes it's a bit too much horses and then I enjoy my holiday without horses <laughs> for like one or two weeks but yeah I think I'm I'm lucky I can do whatever I want um, I can plan my whole life, but it's also a big responsibility. So that's the other part because I can do whatever I want, but I still have all my responsibilities to keep the company going because I have three people 
have free employees, so I have to pay them every month. So you kind of have responsibility for, yeah, running the business, correct? So, yeah. Yeah, and also the horses, of course. Oh, yeah, they're even more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, I can only imagine. Horses usually are very expensive. And I, I read you recently had had a sick horse, too. Oh, it was terrible. I never have a colic horse, never. And uh, we went back home from uh, Aachen and we were home and the horse uh, laid down in his stable. And then one of the employees asked, is it, is it normal when you come back for competition? I said, yeah, it's pretty normal because he's tired and uh, he sleeps a lot. And then I had to bring her back home because her car was not at the barn. And then we drank a wine and we had a great evening. And then I was home at like 12 or half past 12. And I thought, oh, let's check on the horse again because somehow I felt it was maybe not good. And then I checked the horse and yeah, he was still laying down, but he didn't look sick and his temperature was good. And actually all the signs were normal. So I went to bed, but then I didn't trust it. So I went back down, give him some medicines. If, if it was stuck in his stomach that it could process and um so then i went back to sleep and i woke up at five in the morning or half past four something like that and i thought oh if i'm awake i can better check the horse and see if he gets back and then down in the state because i'm living upstairs um and then i saw he was not good his he had signs of colic so then i was doubting because it was like five in the morning do i wait until eight when the Fat clinic opens because he doesn't look super sick. It's not like he's dying or something, but I could see that he had colic. And, um, but sometimes he has gas colic. So I was not directly very worried, but something in, in me told me, no, you have to act. So then I told my vet and um, I told him it was really bad with the horse for my feeling. And so he said, just come to the clinic. We will check. And then we went there and it all looked kind of normal for just a normal gas colic they couldn't see that there was something really wrong in the in the yeah how do you call it in Intestines. the yeah, yeah thank you and um so they said we just give him fluids and we monitor it and we give him medicines and we will just see you will be fine hopefully so i went back home and then a few hours later they called me that they found a problem that there was something turned in his belly um and that they have to do surgery because otherwise he's just dying so yeah it was within 24 hours we were competing and within 24 hours he was on the table and having surgery. So it was really bad. But yeah, we never have colic and a colic like this, you cannot prevent it because it has nothing to do with management or something. So yeah, it just happens. Yeah, yeah. I I, I had been there too one time um, with a pony. It, didn't need to have any surgery luckily but but yes it, it can happen to any horse and yeah it's really not fun no fun yeah. uh, i remember we were like no, walking for hours no. with that hard horse just so it wouldn't lay down because the vets are very far away or the clinics to operation clinics are very very far away from here it's at least three and a half hours car drive and only imagine when you drive 80 kilometers per hour with a horse trailer because you're not allowed to drive faster than 80 in sweden with a horse trailer if you're not having a, a truck oh. yes so so it's really oh it's suburb yeah yeah. So you yeah, think like five times before you put the a sick horse on the trailer. Yeah. Because driving three and a half hours also puts a lot of strain on the horse in a position like that. And yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yes. 
No, we're yeah. lucky. We're just 15 minutes away from the vet wow. clinic. So that's, that's my luck. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, talking about the horses, how do they live? Do they have, um, do, um, do they have like a free range or do they live in stables? Um, um, well, we have two separate parts of the barn. My sport horses are uh, living at the prettiest place on the barn so they have like kind of luxury stables because the stables are, are very big they are four meters by six meters so it's more than twice the size of a normal stall um, and then the other the training horses they have nice stalls they are still big bigger than normal but they are a bit smaller um, they are in the night they're always indoors and during the day at, in the summer they are outdoors the whole day on the field or in the paddock and in the winter they change so we put them on the paddock and sometimes they are in the walker um, but they at least go out for a few hours every day and in the summer we try to have them out the whole day from the morning very early until the evening um, but if they're indoors it's still fine because they really have big stalls so they can walk around and yeah I think they have a pretty nice life I hope I think they look happy so That's good. yeah <laughs> yeah uh, what is the difference for you between uh, your sports horses and your training horses um well not that much I think all my horses uh, have a very very good life at my barn but just my sport horses get something extra sometimes because they have to perform they have to go to all the shows um, okay, so the sports horses is, are the ones who go to competitions and the yeah. training horses are the ones who mainly don't. Yeah, and okay. normally the sport horses, they are always at my barn because they just live here and the training horses, it's changing. Some horses are just there for a few weeks, some are there for a few oh, months. Right. It depends, ah, no, I course. get it. Sorry. So the yeah. sports horses are your horses for your company yeah. and the training horses are... Yeah, now I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a little bit of difference and sometimes we have a training horse which is staying for a few months and then of course we make sure it can go out to the pasture and it... Yeah. it but if it just stays for like four weeks, then um, yeah, we don't have that much pasture. So we have to uh, think about the warm infections as well. So then we have one field and that's for the training horses. They can share it. So they just go after each other in the field um, because I don't want to mix it up because of yeah. yeah warm infections and stuff like that. So it's always a bit management like that. But I think they, yeah, I think they have a good life. I think they're fine. So the training horses, um, uh, are they there? You take them for only riding for dressage, or you also take them in for uh, learning how to vault? Uh, both, actually. I have a lot of horses, and then uh, we sell them, but they stay for a few months more that we can teach it a bit more for vaulting, so it can perform on a higher level directly or something like that. It depends on what the client wants. Um and there are also the horses which we have bought to turn into a vaulting horse before it's sold. So it's like mixed up. And I also have horses there from dressage riders that we are training while they are on holiday or um, whatever, something like that. And I do coach riders with fear. Um, so if they don't uh, dare to ride or they have a problem with riding and there are a lot of riders like that then sometimes they come to my barn for like two weeks and the horse is staying here and then we train daily together so it's always kind of mixed up so either a horse from the owner who's just here for two weeks of training or a dressage riders horse or a horse for vaulting it depends it's a mix-up 
Wow, that's yeah. very interesting that you're working with um, horses and riders who have fear. Um, yeah. How do you work of... with a rider that has fear from maybe even just riding? Well, it has everything to do with um, how they feel when they're when they are in the saddle. So if they feel comfortable and if they have the feeling they can manage it when it goes wrong, because that's normally the problem. They are afraid to fall or they are afraid that they lose control when something happens. And um, when they have a strong seat and they know how to balance themselves, um, I figured out the fear is most of the time reduced for like 50 or 75 percent because they feel they can manage it when the horse is doing a weird step or something like that so but it depends you have a variety of people with a lot yeah. of uh, problems and a lot of um reasons why they have fear but most of them it's just because they don't have a strong seed and they don't know how to hold themselves. So we work on the lunge line first on one of my uh, vaulting horses. They just learn how to sit, how to follow the movement, uh, which posture is correct, um, building up the strong muscles, the core muscles. Uh, and then from there, we start to work with the horse again, with their own horse, preferably, because they have fear to ride their own horse. And then it's always, every case is different. Every horse is different. Every rider is different um so it's always kind of my task to figure out why do they have fear and how can we solve that part so for example i had a woman coming to my um riding seat lessons and she told me after a few lessons that she fell off her horse and uh, she hadn't been riding for four years on this horse four years i never wow. knew that she just told me she fell off the horse and she wanted to work on her posture during riding so we were working on that, and but then she was kind of at the end of the lunch lessons because I told her, yeah, I cannot teach you more on the lunch line because we're, of course, you can come every week, but you know the next step is that you go on your own horse. And then she told me like, yeah, but I had not been riding for four years, and I was like, what? But why not? Yes, she said I don't dare to ride anymore on my horse, and I was like a little bit in shock. And then I told her, do you want me to help you? And she was like, yes, yeah, I really like to. And, um, but she was sitting on the horse at home. She could mount or she could, yeah, mount, um, but just sitting and walking sometimes, but she couldn't trot or canter. She just didn't dare to. And it was so, actually, it was so interesting to see the connect between the horse and the rider because she's already nervous when she was at my venue. And um, so the horse became nervous because she was nervous and he was just super sensible um, so then I just teach her how to work with her feelings and how to do it because she was afraid because the horse was nervous. And then I yeah. told her, yeah, but the horse is nervous because you're nervous. Yeah. So it's like a circle, yeah. but it was really hard, of course, but I think it took 10 lessons. So she was here one and a half week and then she was riding. So, yeah. And, and I have always cases like that. It's just, they need someone who tell them what to do and what the problem is and how to solve it. And, it's always interesting because every case is different. Um, yeah, but but riders like that, I really love to help them to to get over their fear because it's a shame if they don't dare to ride because it's yeah yeah. It's so interesting you're saying that you're using vaulting for this because I have actually been doing that too because I find that you can you you can you can get the rider on the horse without thinking about that it has to ride he or she has to ride the horse taking care of that part just feeling 
just being able to follow. The disadvantage yeah. for me is that I don't have any um, vaulting, um, very good uh, introduced vaulting courses. <laughs> so that's the disadvantage. I mean, of course, if you have vaulting horses who know how to do the job and just concentrate on the laundry, it's, it's pretty easier. But I, I like um, the girth. A vaulting girth is very good to grab the handles because because you're yeah. sitting really good and it in with, with a yeah. pad and you can feel the horse under you which is yeah. harder with a saddle so I'm, yeah. I'm totally with you i think vaulting is something that can be used in so many different ways besides uh, the, the competition sport yeah sure and i also think it's a good basic to uh no it's a good basic for kids before they're riding that they just learn exactly what you just told me like to get the feeling um get to feel the holes, know the gates, know to, yeah, know to, to know how to sit, you know, that they, when they start riding, that they can just sit and ride and they don't need the reins or the stirrups to get their balance or something like that. So, and I know in Germany, it was, um, uh, it was mandatory to do vaulting lessons before you start with riding, but I, I don't think it's there anymore, but in Germany, because of that, it's way more known, the sport, the discipline. Yeah. Um, but I really think it's such a good basic for kids to just do vaulting first, just learn how to sit and then do riding. And a lot of dressage riders I'm coaching, they all told me like, oh, we should have done vaulting before we start riding because yeah. it's just so good for your balance and your trust, actually. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I'm doing that a lot. And it's I think it's good that we promote our discipline in different ways than the competition sport because I think vaulting has to give so much more to the other disciplines than just doing yes. vaulting. It's yeah, what I just said, it's a good supportive um, discipline for dressage or jumping riders. It's a good basic for kids. It's good for, for people who have fear. Um, it's, you know, I think vaulting can help so many people in the Christian disciplines. Yeah. Um, and I think it should be good for the vaulting community to look wider than just our own vaulting community because it has so much more to do. And we all know you can never fold until you're like a grandma. You you know, it ends when you're at a certain age. It, it ends and some people are becoming a coach, but a lot of people just disappear. You know, they have brought so much to the vaulting community and then they quit folding and then they disappear. But like, it's such a shame because they know so much about yeah balance about uh, core stability about physical training and uh, they know the horse feeling they know exactly how to follow rhythm and um if they just collect all that knowledge and and bring it back to the other disciplines i think yeah that's a little bit my dreams sometimes and i'm like oh we have to find a way to get a bridge between vaulting and the other disciplines um so yeah so then i started myself by doing that already but and I actually, I have to admit that I hear a lot of people doing it now or more and more, not a lot. That's just stupid to say, but like more people are, are working with riders and um, yeah, put their vaulting knowledge in it. So I think that's good. I think we need that. I think yeah. there's something else in the vaulting community that is still a little bit new and that is the simulator. Because yeah. the simulator, um, when I first knew about that there was a simulator that would also um, adjust to weight shifts. Uh, that was a friend of mine, her father built one, uh, and he had built it so it would adjust a little bit to her weight shifts. For me, that was that was like, oh my god, this is Eureka. 
this is this is what the horse world the riding world needs because it will spare so many horses so yeah. for me talking about the simulator is so much more than just for vaulting because you can learn how to find the balance how to find the rhythm without needing a horse which is an individual so it can be spared so yeah, so this is something else that I think is so valuable. I mean, we, we spend so much time on a wooden horse or on a simulator, and riders yeah. should, too. Yeah, or at least exercise. Yes. <laughs> I think if riders start <laughs> with too. exercising, we're already halfway, and when they, when they go on a simulator, at least to check, because I think you cannot learn riding with a but you can at least check like okay i'm here now i have yeah. more weight on my left side i am more strong on my right arm or whatever and then they can work on it and then they can check it a month or two months later to see if it got better and of course if you have people with a problem with balance or with you know something like that a simulator is perfect to just train and and ride and and try but i think yeah. for riding you cannot learn it really learn it on the simulator because every horse is different and that's actually the beauty of the sport you know that you have the interaction with the horse yeah of course no for me it's just like that that feeling of how how, how does a canter feel or do, how does a trot feel yeah uh, because the first time when you try it a lot of times the horse will stop because you can't find your balance because you don't you have no idea how that will feel yeah. i mean i yeah. just i just think about all the times i i had been starting to ride and and i had i had a horse that was very sensible for eight years so she stopped like from the canter every time i lost balance so that's yeah. just i i don't mean that that you have that the simulator maybe makes you be able to ride more like getting a feeling a sense of what it should feel how is and yeah. the beat the beat and the the rhythm yeah. so and, yeah, and well. And as you say, for people maybe who have a um, bad sense of balance, for example, also uh, in rehabilitating amateurs. So for me, it's like talking about rehabilitating uh, riding for like people who had a stroke or had a certain disability. I don't oh, think it's a very bad idea to think about a simulator. Um, doesn't have to be a big thing. Just like, um, yeah, just to, to get introduced into it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think you're right. I think it can help in those situations a lot. And yeah, and I really do think it will spare a lot of horses because sometimes when I'm at a riding school, I'm like, oh, poor horses. Yes. They just yeah. have to have to work with all the unbalanced people. And um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I do think that can help as well. And I think if you can have a combination with yeah. a simulator and like a vaulting lesson or a lesson on the lunch line, and from there you have a basis to yeah, work with a horse and to start riding and go to riding school. I think it will help a lot. And I do, of yeah. course, know that a simulator costs a lot of money, but um, I I have been recently talking to one uh, vaulting club and, and they said, well, we, we, we do buy horses and, and we have horses, but in the end, having a simulator would mainly be like having one or two horses um, or oh. when it comes to giving them food every week and um, yeah. Oh, a simulator is even cheaper than horse. Yes, I would say that. Trust me, it's my best horse in the barn. <laughs> it keeps going and going and going. It keeps going. Yeah, but if you see how many hours the simulator is, is in action at our barn, and I just had to pay it once, yeah. and I of course I have to 
pay the electricity, but that's not that much. And it can just go forever. It's never lame. It never has colic. It never bugs. <laughs> it can just go and go and go. And actually the kids love it because it's moving and they can play around and they can feel things and they can figure out new exercises and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's worth a lot. Yeah. So I think at the end, of course, it's a big investment. And I really get that, that a lot of people don't have the budget to buy it. But I think if you have the possibility to buy a simulator, I, I should do it because it's, it's, yeah, it's so much cheaper than a horse and it saves you so much horse time. And I think <laughs> horses are happier because you yeah. tried it already hundred times on the movie or on another simulator. So um, then when you're on the horse, you're kind of already able to do that from maybe like 80%. So yeah, I think it's good. I like it. I like the simulator. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because when I bought my simulator, people were like, wow, with that kind of money, you could have bought a new horse. And I was like, yeah, but I have to take care of that horse too. And if I'm supposed to train five to six days a week, how should I manage to train the horse five to six days a week as well and having a launder? So for me, yeah. it was starting in the right end because then I can be become a better vaulter and work on that part of having a horse where I need help from other people, but I don't need so much help from other people with a simulator. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. It helps a lot then. If, because some people just don't have the possibility to buy a horse and train it correctly and get it launched and yeah i get that especially it, in parts where you don't have like a lot of vaulting uh vaulter um vaulting clubs to choose from or or lunges even <laughs> so yeah yeah that's still true and i think that's a good solution for those people but i just think we have to be aware that we find the right balance because if yeah. you train a lot on the movie it's or on another simulator it's um it's so much different than to work with a horse because mm -hmm. a horse is actually responding on you and a simulator yeah. is not. So yeah. I think it doesn't substitute a horse, but I think it's a good extra training. And actually, yeah, what, what you said, for people who don't have a vaulting club nearby, they can still work on their technical skills. But I think we, we should really be aware that, that yeah, a simulator is so much different than a horse and it doesn't substitute it because you can sometimes tell at a competition which falters train more on the simulator and which falters train more on a horse. I think you can tell when you watch vaulting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, maybe that also... Uh is a difference than with the people who do ride as well because I think that if you're a rider it also affects you because you're used to having an animal with you when you ride I mean of yeah. course um, regardless of what you can't as you say take away the time from the horse just by having a simulator uh, I, I see it mostly like a bridge and as you said you can train maybe an exercise up to 80% and then you, you have to figure out the rest on the horse and with the horse and with the launder. But, but yeah. yeah, it's a good, it's a good bridge. That's basically yeah. what I think. Uh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, correct. I think so too. And I think it's a nice improvement of the discipline. I think the vaulting discipline is, is, yeah, I think it's growing and with uh, invest or um, how do you say with um, creations like this, it gets better and uh, we can continue and we can grow as a discipline. So I think it's good that we have uh, innovations. I was looking for the word innovation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think it's good we have things like that. I think it will grow. Our sport will grow. And it's good if we, yeah, do that. Yeah. 
And you know, in my perfect world, this comes. This idea is not mine. It came from an interview with a Walter, who a well-known Walter, but I don't remember who, uh, was questioned. What is your like uh, dream in vaulting? Uh, and she answered that she would have like, um, you know, in figure skating they have these harnesses in the roof that goes around yeah. through the ice skating arena. And she said she would like something like that. So, so my dream is like having a simulator that goes into a cycle and that has a harness in the roof and the ceiling that goes with the simulator in a cycle. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I I know it's not impossible. That's the thing. I uh -huh. it's just a money question <laughs> because yeah, the innovations are already existing. I think it's very expensive to build something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the yeah. harness is not so expensive in that way. I think it's like only ten thousand euros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but I mean a trampoline is uh, a giant trampoline for gymnastics. is much more expensive than that. So yeah, so, yeah. that's correct. Uh, yeah. And there is actually a budget version on that too, because you can have um, something in the middle of the um, of the circle, and then you yeah. have a rope, and you have one person in the middle who pulls the rope. That yeah. is, of course, not safe in the same way. But I have seen people in trick riding using that on, on real horses. But I don't know how good it is. So <laughs> I've only seen yeah, it. yeah. I think I'm always a bit curious if things, innovations like that, will help the sport. Yeah. Because I always think like, yeah, but the beauty of the sport is just to be with your horse and do <laughs> the exercises with your horse. And yeah. and if we need a lot extra uh, um, equipment, yeah. These, sorry, equipment. Yeah, extra equipment or, or simulators or things like that. I don't think if we, I, I think we, um, how do you say that correctly in English? But I have the feeling we go away from the real beauty and the real nature of vaulting. And then it gets more like, um, um, yeah, a trick sport. Yeah. Um, and I think the beauty of vaulting is that you do it with your lunger and your horse and a simulator is already an, a big innovation because it's, yeah, it's a horse simulator, so it's not your horse. Yeah. And I think if we uh, grow and we follow that path, that we just go away from the, yeah, the, the basics of faulting. And I'm a bit worried about that if we invent things like that. Um, so I think at one hand it can help because yeah. it will become more safe with your dismounts. But at the other hand... Should we do all the dismounts and all the crazy jumps if it's not safe? You know, it's like you can question it. It's, yeah. I'm totally yeah. with you. I've been thinking exactly the same thought. Um, I think it was when, when I did read about this because then for me it was like, okay, and when will the madness of bad exercises or like giant exercises that are very dangerous stop? Yeah. When, when will, uh, wh where is it that we can't do anymore? Um, like harder and harder and harder stuff because I mean there are exercises who have been like uh, they were hard exercises and now they're medium exercises or easy exercises and for me that is sometimes I think like okay good um, this exercise is something that is called easy or medium but if you are a new vaulter this is like super hard so yeah. it just I'm just thinking, yeah, how, how much further can it get without compromising the horse or the sport, per se? 
and um, you know, for me the the uh, the hardness was basically not about doing like harder stuff. For me, it was basically making the sport more accessible because something I uh, really understood uh, with simulator was that oh well, standing here and walking around in a circle is really not hard. It is really not hard. It's the fear of falling yeah. and the horse yeah. that is an animal. So yeah. that's why I thought a harness could help to bridge over that fear. Because as you said, if the rider feels fear, the horse will do too. So, yeah. And if yeah. I can feel safe, the horse will feel safe. And in that way, it will be safer. So that is what yeah. basically it, like a harness for helping people to learn to stand. Because standing is really the the, the the compulsory stand can be very hard because there are so many yeah hard things in it. Yeah. Getting up, don't falling backwards, and um, don't fall on your knees, and don't be afraid because you stand there, and don't yeah. There's so much yeah. to it. Uh, so yeah, that yeah. was basically it because I I felt that why is it so easy to stand on the simulator, but if it would move, it would not be. <laughs> so it's not yeah. the mus yeah. muscular part it's the the psych the psychological part the fear yeah, that's that's correct yeah well i agree with you it could help it could build a bridge between it but i always remember a sentence one of my teachers said to me and um he was the one who uh, teach me how to slack line i don't know if slack line is uh, yeah, yeah. Sport, but i think uh -huh. it is yeah. and um he said you always have to try to find your own boundaries and your own abilities because if you do it with help it's so much harder to figure out the timing when you don't need the help anymore because you're used to do the exercise with help yeah. or with support to find out when can you do it alone he said that's so much more difficult than to just follow the steps and do it yourself because mm -hmm. then you can feel yourself and you learn how to trust and you work on a better yeah a relationship is a weird word but you work on a better uh, knowledge of yourself when you figure out your own boundaries without help and without accessories to yeah make it easier mm. so and I never forget it I'm like yeah I think he it's true you know you have to uh, learn how to come over your own fears and how yeah. to grow and how to do little steps closer to your goal and if you have all kind of help on your road then you maybe you go faster to your destination but is isn't the the um, road to your destination what's the beauty of life you know it's not about the destination it's yeah. about how you get there and um and i think a lot of vaulting exercises you can compare it to things in in life like in the real world like um when you learn how to stand and when you learn how to fall down and uh to learn to yeah to um, stand up again and do it again and overcome your fears and stuff like that. I think it's also a learning process of kids. Um, so if you take that away by making it easier, I don't know at the end, but it's maybe a bit too much uh, psychological, but I, I don't, I think it's a good path to follow to just figure out what you can do by yourself and how to manage it when you fall and how to manage it when when you have pain or something like that and how you come over it and how you grow. And I think that, yeah, but that's, yeah, that's that, you're right about that. That is like almost curling kids. Or at least we say that in Sweden, you're curling, curling the kids when you're yeah. like uh, making the ice nice in front of the curling uh, yeah. part, because you don't want them to slip or, or stumble. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, life 
it's hard. We all know that. We all come yeah. at a part that we are like, oh, shit, how can I manage this? Because it's like so much. And if you don't learn it as a kid to have disappointments and have things you cannot achieve and have failures, if you don't learn it as a kid, then it will be super hard when you're a grown-up. So I, yeah, yeah. So I really think it's good for kids to just do it themselves, play around, figure out what they're able to do, what they're not able to do, face their fears, face their disabilities, um, and learn how to overcome that. I think it will help you in life afterwards. Yeah, you're totally yeah. right about that. And I mean, people who have been dealing with horses know how hard it can be sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like yeah. having a horse that simply doesn't want to walk by the creepy cows or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then you can learn a lot with a simulator, but things like that, you cannot learn it with a machine. No, no. No. So, yeah, I think my conclusion is it will help. It's it's easier sometimes, and sometimes it's better for horses when you use the simulator, but not for everything. I think we should prevent it that we make it too easy. Um, yeah. Because then we have to make harder exercises. We have to do dif more difficult stuff to, um, yeah, to make a difference in, within vaulting, you know. And and if everything is easy, then everybody can reach the highest level. So we have to make a, yeah, a difference in who is able to do what. And yeah, I think if the road is too easy, then a lot of people will go to the top, and then we have to find something else how you can yeah. differentiate from the others. So. So, yeah, I think there's always a pro and a con with things like yeah. that. And <laughs> well, you're totally right. I mean, why do we have the technical tests and the individuals? It is because we need to differ even more. And yeah. uh, that says a lot about the, the, the level because a technical test is really hard. Yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, I think we in Sweden we have maybe tops three or four individual female, no male, that are able to do a full technical yeah. test. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. not a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What do you think are the most, like, the biggest challenges in our sport? I think the biggest challenge is to match a good falter with a good horse and a good lunger and trainer. Um... And to keep the horse fit and keep it going that it can be on the highest level. I think the combination is the hardest part in vaulting. Um, and I think that because our sport doesn't involve a lot of money, it's hard to grow as a discipline. Um, and for some people, it's just hard to finance the sport at the highest level because you always have to rely on your lunger and your trainer because normally they are owning the horse um yeah and i think that's a hard part as well yeah because if you could earn your money with being a volta it would be so much easier to have a good horse and have a horse trained trained very correct but because we don't earn money with it we all have to do it because we love it and we support each other And it costs a lot of money, but then you always have to, yeah, do it with, with what you get because, yeah. 
Um, yeah, but I think everybody understands what I mean. But um, I think that's a hard part as well. But on the other hand, that's the beauty of the sport because we all do it because we love it and because it's our passion. But on the other hand, it makes it also more difficult to grow and to do it right because you don't have the money to do it um, yeah. or you don't get the money out of vaulting to do it. That's how I should say it. So I think that's the difficulty of the sport. Yeah. Could you say that if you wouldn't have your business with... Um Having, for example, riders who have fear and also dressage horses, it would be hard for you to get around or would you manage yeah. with, yeah. Yeah. Well, I probably would find a way to manage it, but uh, the, the dressage riders, they are paying my business most of the time. Yeah. Because yeah. from vaulting, you know, it's difficult and I love the sport and it's my passion, the sport. So it's not all about money. And of course, people have to pay me when they are training with me and when they use one of my horses for competition, but it. It's never enough to keep the business going because it involves so much more than than just that little part. So yeah, the dressage riders and uh, the special riders with fear or with disabilities, they they make sure I can pay the bills every month. Yeah, mm. yeah. Is, is there something you would like to change about the sport vaulting in general? Because we were talking a little bit about that it is more passion than than a sport, uh, or it is. I'm not sorry. Wrong saying how I meant that it is more passion than a sport that you can live on financially yeah well and I actually don't know if I would want to change the sport because I think it's super nice that everybody in vaulting is doing it with so much passion and they do it because they like it that's the beauty of the sport so if you change it and if you make it like more commercial discipline that you earn a lot and there's a lot of money involved and a lot of sponsors I think it will, the beauty of the sport will go away. Uh, although I have to think that we have to change a little bit to make it a bit more professional um, because then you can guarantee the quality of vaulting and the horses and the trainings. Um, so I think we should find like a way in between that it's that people can invest in vaulting, that they earn enough to invest it back in the vaulting scene to keep the yeah to to keep the quality and to make sure they have access to good horses and that they can train the horses correctly because they can pay someone to ride it or to train it or whatever you know so just enough to to get a higher level with that insulting yeah 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 how, how, do you have any any ideas how that could be uh, done <laughs> hmm that's a hard question <laughs> well I think it just starts by the teachers that they have to ask enough for their time they're spending teaching other people. Do you and, think people um, um, ask for too little? I think like everybody asks too little when they're coaching. And once again, that's the beauty of the sport because it's nice because that makes it accessible for a lot of people. But at the other hand, that makes the circle very small. And I think if the like the top coaches and the ones below ask a bit more that they can uh, get more money. They can uh, put more money back in vaulting and then it starts to grow slowly. I think yeah. somewhere we have to, uh, we have to start increase it. Um, yeah. And I think it starts with, if you earn enough as a trainer, you can invest more. And I'm always putting my own company as a, example for trainers because the ones who are training vaulting at my barn they are getting paid like a normal wage um 
so they can invest again if there's like a seminar or if there's a course or something they earn enough with the vaulting lessons like really enough to put it back in the vaulting scene and in that way they can develop themselves and because they can develop the vaulters get better and maybe in their vaulting class there's like a new teacher for like five or ten years or whatever they already get more knowledge so then it's like a uh how do you call it like um stairs you know you can climb up yeah every time and um I think that's important, yeah. But it's hard to get it done because in my company, I get the money from other scenes as well because I'm earning from the dressage writers. Yeah. So in that way, I can get the loop going, you know, because now it's going, now it's it's earning their own money, kind of. But I had to invest uh, from other scenes to, to get it done. And I think that's hard. But I think if people would sometimes think a bit more how to uh, make it grow... I think it would help. Hmm. Yeah. But you have to dare to ask a bit more money. And also with your vaulting classes, you know, um, we charge a little bit less than a normal riding lesson for vaulting because we still need a horse. We still need a, vo a vaulting tack. We need a pad. We need a sussing. That's way more expensive than a normal saddle and a, and a pad under it. We have the simulator. We have a, um, expensive whips, a lunch line. We have a trainer. We have a co-trainer. We have someone to help. You know, there are so many things involved. So it's not that much cheaper to have a vaulting class than to have a riding school class. And of course, it's a bit cheaper. But sometimes I see that clubs are like charging like a quarter from like a normal riding lesson. I'm like, but, but why, you know? Don't you dare to ask a bit more? Because if you do like some... Uh, riding schools charge like 18 euro for a riding lesson. And then I see vaulting clubs just charging four or five euros for an hour for like a group lesson of vaulting. And I'm like, how can you even do that? Gymnastics is already more expensive. Yeah, but, it's yeah. but like in gymnastics, you have like 100 gymnastics <laughs> using all the tech, which is not living, which you don't have to feed, you don't have to muck out, you don't have to do anything. It's you know, equestrian sports is expensive. And yes, vaulting is cheaper than all the other um, disciplines because we can do it in groups and uh, we are together. But still, it's like it costs a fortune to keep it going. So why not charge a little bit more with your kids? Because then you can guarantee that the horses are trained well. You are able maybe in the future to buy an extra horse because you get a bit more money so you can deliver more quality. It's, it's like a little loop, you know, if you... Yeah. Don't let them pay more. You can never grow because there's no money left. And if you let them pay a bit more, of course, there are always people who say it's too expensive, but it's still a question discipline, you know? It's, it's, it is expensive. It's, also, I think, I think something that a lot of people do miss is that I think it doesn't matter in which country you are or where you are, but you will always find a way to get writing lessons if you are willing to do the job. Because there's always somebody needed in the barn to help you, to mock out, to take care of the tech. And I mean, who can who can say no to like a 10-year-old girl or boy who comes and said, well, please, can I get one writing lesson a week and I will come every day and fix the tech. Yeah. And then yeah. you have help with stuff that you need help with because there's always stuff to do in a barn. Yeah. Correct. So, I mean, even if it is expensive, there is a way for the people who don't have the money to. Of course. 
Of course. And I think, but then you have to think more like a business, like, okay, yeah. but how can they help me so I can help them? And exactly what, and if they can help by mucking out or taking horses out, it saves me from paying an employee to do it. So, yeah. you know, you, but you just have to be creative sometimes, yeah. but you, we should value what we're doing and who we are. And um, I think some coaches like it so much that they almost do it for free. And then I'm like, okay, that's generous from you, but actually you're not helping the sport with that because, because you do it for almost for free. Someone else doesn't dare to ask money. You're not making money. So you can never invest that money back in vaulting. So, you know, it's generous, but at the other hand, it's sometimes a little bit stupid because it, it doesn't help the sport growing. And, of course, we shouldn't ask outrageous high prices. It, it's We should keep it a bit normal, but at least put one little step higher. I think that would already help. I have felt so a lot of times when it comes to treatment of horses in Sweden. You go and do your education and you, you, you have all the knowledge. You paid it for yourself from your own pocket. And then you come there and you're just like, okay, I'm only taking 30 euros for this treatment. And it's like, okay, well, but you have been studying like a year for this. Uh, and, yeah. and, and now you're taking 30 euros and, and the other person takes at least 50 or 60 euros. Uh, it doesn't put uh, the the job forward. It doesn't make it grow, as you say. And, and of course, the people will take the cheaper one. That doesn't mean they get the better one, but it doesn't mean they get the worse one either. But but it. Yeah. I, I would like people to put value on their time, as you say. Yeah, exactly. But although... I have to say, I never find the cheap people to do treatments with my horses. I end up always with the most expensive ones, I think. But well, probably <laughs> because you know where the good people are. But I think it's a lot yeah, of times maybe when you're, when you're new in your um, business. But there's another part that I think about this. And what do you do when you want to have the, the, the decent price? Okay, so you're waiting one year, working cheap, and then you will raise the price. It's better you go in with the price from the beginning where you yeah. have all your costs covered and don't raise it for a couple of years at least because then you will yeah. have a good um, clients, a, a good, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have your clients yeah. and they will grow with you. But, but yeah. it's much harder to start cheap and then, oh, now I have to raise the price to the double because then everybody's yeah. like, okay, now it's too expensive. <laughs> Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, correct. Well, yeah. I hear that you are a businesswoman. That is good because a lot of women <laughs> maybe should sometimes think a little bit more about business, especially when it comes to horses, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I always think kind of business-like. But it's always the balance because I, um, of course, I'm a businesswoman, but some things you don't want to earn too much because, you know, you still want to give the full thing sports something and um, but I think I, at, at least I should make sure the vaulting part of my business is break even, you know, that it doesn't cost too much money because that's what I always said. Uh, I don't want to be the person who's paying for the vaulting of other people. Yeah. And I see that happening in a lot of clubs that the trainer is actually paying more than the kids mm. just because they love it. And I'm like, okay, I will never do that. And I still think I'm earning a bit on it because, uh, yeah, I think I do, but, um, yeah, yeah, but I think I'm doing good by earning because then I can put something back. Well, that's what I just told you about the circle. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's awesome, and um, yeah, it's it's a good way of thinking. I think that because yeah, we all want the sport to become 
something that is interesting to get in yeah. touch with and and to 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 start to I mean we are also back again at education a lot of people do vaulting since they were a child then they start to become a trainer and 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 what is there more to come after that as you said is it okay so now you're gonna leave it because you're getting a normal job because you're grown up and yeah. I think that is so sad because why why shouldn't there be a possibility to to continue to to do what you love in one yeah. or another way exactly uh, yeah yeah yeah, sure. And we all want to be compared with dressage and jumping. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm, if I have to go to my dressage train, I'm, I'm paying 50 euro for half an hour of dressage training. And that's cheap, actually. That's not even expensive. I'm like, how can we compare our discipline to the other disciplines? Because if I would charge 50 euro for half an hour vaulting class private, people call me crazy. <laughs> So I'm not yeah. doing that to yeah. <laughs> make sure, but you know, just to compare, it's yeah. it's it's so far away from the other disciplines. So at one hand, we should accept it because we are not the same as dressage and jumping and good parts. But at the other hand, we should sometimes think a bit more business-like because we all want to grow. We all want to, uh, yeah, be taken serious by other people. So we have to invest. We have our responsibility to. Yeah, get it bigger and and make it grow and yeah. Maybe it's a fear uh, to not get enough clients. I think so. Of course, it's always a risk, you know. If you put a price and you're like, "Oh shit, I hope it's it's enough," but then the other hand, you have to value yourself. I think that's where it all starts. You have to value your own time, yes. and it's nice that you want to spend time with vaulting, but you're worth something, you know, because you have yeah. knowledge. You have. Um, you have other things to do as well. So people have to pay you for your time. And um, yeah, I think you have to ask what you're worth. Yeah, I think that's important. Well, yeah, what, what do you like about lunging horses? Uh, because horses are actually so sensitive. Yeah. And I think it's every round is different. Mm -hmm. And when I'm training uh, with lunging, so when I have a training at home, it's like, that's the part where you're figuring out, okay, how can I teach the horse how to do it? How can I help him? How can I improve him? How can it, I make it easier for the vaulter to do their uh, routine? And how, yeah, it's just the figuring out part, how to connect it. And then at competition, it's like, there you have to show it. So it's like, okay, am I able to do the job? Can I do it? Can I prove that I train my horse well? Um, And yeah, that's exciting. And the horse is always so focused on you. Well, at least when you do the job good, they are focused on you. Sometimes on competitions, they are not that focused, of course, but it's they're focused on you and they trust you as a lunger because you're the one guiding them. And I think that's a great feeling when you're in the middle and you're responsible for the horse and you're working together with it. And it like, it does matter what you do, you know, it, It matters a lot if I make a mistake and the, and because I make a mistake, the horse is making a mistake, then it's the Volta who, who feels that, you know, and then the Volta cannot do the perfect routine and not the perfect program. So it's like a big responsibility, but on the other hand, it's, uh, um, yeah, you're um, important when you're lunging, like very important. And Yeah, I think if you train it well, it's just nice to, to work with your horse, even when it's on distance, you know, lunging is this just riding on distance, I think. And um, 
yeah, you're still very important. You're a part of team and you're part of the, yeah, part of the team actually. Yeah. 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 It's so funny um, what you said about um, that you're important for the Walter because uh, Lasse, uh, Christensen and I, we had an interview um, yeah, a year ago for, for Vaulting World, the, 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 the homepage. And he said a sentence that really um, stuck in my head. He had someone else tell him uh, that you are the rock in the middle. And for me, that is like, that's spot on. That just says exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. and... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's correct. And um, I think the Volters needs to trust their luncher. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good relationship what you should have with your Volter and with your horse. And when you're a good luncher, then the Volter can trust you that you're able to manage the horse and then they can do the routine better because they trust you because, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's right. You're the rock in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I also found uh, in my own journey that I am the vaulter, have to, um, I am very important too for the horse. It, yeah. If it's a very sensitive horse, I can help the horse to calm. I can, um, I can affect the horse in so many ways. So I really have to take my responsibility as well. Yeah. So it's a very interesting yeah. triad of a relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, Volters have a lot of influence on the horse. And once again, that's the beauty of the sport because you have to work with your horse. But yeah. sometimes at a competition, your Volter is destroying it and giving the horse a bad feeling because they are like stressed. Yeah, but it yeah. happens, you know, they don't do it on purpose, but it happens. And then you as a lunger, you have to try to fix it for them. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No. not an easy situation. No, that's not an easy job because if they are really stressed and you have a sensitive horse, it's really hard to get the confidence of the horse. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the Volter has a lot of influence on the horse for sure. I can tell in the training who is faulting. If I was like blindfolded and someone is faulting, I can tell which Volter is on because you directly feel it on your lunch line. You directly feel it all. No, but that's true. And wow. that's not bad. That's not yeah, bad. No, it's so interesting. But you can feel it yeah. for sure directly. Yeah. 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 It's probably the same as if you just would feel the reins, which kind of, which horse you would ride. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. You feel it directly. Yeah. And that's the beauty because that makes some combinations like a perfect combination and the other, yeah, with another Volter, it's maybe not the perfect combination. And that's nice because it's about personalities from the horse, from the Volter, from the Linger. It should all fit, you know, it's like one team and it should fit together. Well, you know, there yeah. was something I wanted to mention earlier, but um, it got on my mind, but now I remember it again. Every time I've seen pictures um, and uh, videos from you when you're at a competition, you always seem so happy. Oh, I am. Oh, but I always think when I see pictures, I'm like, oh, you have a grumpy face because I'm no. always so serious. But yeah, I, yeah, I do. I love competitions, actually. <laughs> I, it's just so nice. It's, it's yeah it's just nice to see everybody from all over the world and to just i think we're fortunate that we are able to be there and to compete and to be at aachen or to be at the world championship and to show what you've been training all the times and you know and we should enjoy it it's it's yeah we should enjoy it yeah you never know when it's too late 
Well, exactly. And and I sometimes remind myself and my voters, like, it's just faulting, you know? It is faulting, but on the other hand, it's just faulting. Yes. It, make fun, have fun, enjoy it, and just show what you've been training for. And, of course, we take our job serious, you know, I'm... I'm also serious, but, but yeah, I yeah I enjoy it a lot to be in competition. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think I know what you're meaning there with with it is only vaulting or only competition because if you take off that um, very serious part, it's so much easier to just do what you have been training on. Yeah, um, because I have I have really tried the difference from I'm like really taking my competition seriously even if I'm not high level but it's like okay I, I'm trying to make it the best and then the other time I went to competitions like okay now I'm in my bubble I'm only with my horse in my launcher I don't care how many thousand or a hundred or ten people are sitting and watching me it's yeah. just me the horse and the walter and then I had the time of my life yeah I was just happy and yeah. that made the difference for me. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, only vaulting, and then it's like yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good that you figured that out already. That you're uh, that you have that feeling when you're competing because yeah, I think it's it's so important. And when you can enjoy it, it's especially for the audience so much nicer to watch a routine when someone is enjoying to to show it. And yeah. Yeah. You know, I had the best time of my life when I fell off the horse twice before I got up in the compulsories. <laughs> I remember that. That was in Sweden. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But it, it's just that I was just laughing at myself because, like, okay, it's your first international competition and you're not getting up on the horse in the, like, it's said to be the easiest mount. It, it's not for me and it was a very high horse for me yeah uh, and yeah but but yeah I couldn't stop laughing at myself and therefore I had the best time of my life and therefore I didn't <laughs> care about anything and therefore it was a good moment <laughs> yeah well at least you had fun it already happened so you yeah. can be sad or exactly or have fun it, it doesn't change anything about the situation my thought was yeah. now you're sitting here now you can have the time of your life <laughs> Any, anything doesn't matter anymore it doesn't matter I'm here now and now everybody's watching me <laughs> so. yeah 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 <laughs> so, so I guess it looks very weird when you like look at a video it's like oh my gosh you just had like yeah couldn't get more embarrassing and then it's like ha huh, I'm just happy <laughs> so. yeah but yeah yeah so I think that is like it's yeah I, I usually think that every fail or every everything that goes wrong is one step closer to success yeah it is every time as you say you learn something from it and yeah, yeah it's just vaulting <laughs> yeah it's just vaulting and yeah but i think that's similar to everything else in life you have so many failures before you have success and it's everybody has it really everybody yeah. everybody have their and have their dips and everybody has their they're successful moments, but we normally only see the successful moments because all the training moments when you have failures and when it's not working and when you're maybe a little bit depressed because it's not working, we never show that to other people. It's always the success you're seeing, but I think people should be aware that everybody has the same struggles in life to get better. And some are naturally more talented, so it gets easier with faulting, but maybe they have other struggles in life, you know? So it's yeah i think it's yeah. it's similar to what everybody has yeah we all have our backpacks <laughs> yeah yeah we do 
Yeah. Well, tell me, um, do you have, um, what, what is your, if you just think about the first thing that comes to your mind, your favorite vaulting moment? Oh, it was the first time I ran in the arena of Aachen. All right. Tell me about it. Oh, I had goosebumps all over. I was like, wow, now I'm here. I'm standing there. And yeah, it was just a great feeling because Aachen is Aachen, you know, it's like the Wimbledon, but then for vaulting, it's, it's the arena. And I was able to run in with Dutch Elliot and there were so many people. And when you run in, it's like crazy. The music is loud. Everybody's clapping. There's a lot of noise. And then when you're in the middle, the music gets down and it's like silent in the arena, like silent. You could hear everything. And I was like, that gives me such a special feeling <laughs> that because it was before COVID, of course. So it was crowded full with people. It was like there were only people around. And you could feel the, the vibe and the atmosphere and you could feel the emotions of all the people there. And it was special. I never got that feeling back anymore. It was just one time because it was such a special moment. I was like, wow, here I am in Aachen. Who knew that I would be able to be there one day? You know, you never know that. And then it happened to be. And uh, yeah. That was the, I think, the most special moment. Yeah. And I think, as you said, those moments are maybe way more treasurable than a medal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they can get you up on the dark days and the days that are harder. Or Yeah, but, well, I think it's different for everybody. Of course, a medal is something very special and something we want to achieve in life, but we still have to value all the other moments. Um, yeah, we have to value moments like this, which gives you a special feeling or makes you proud or happy or whatever feeling gets up in your mind. But yeah, I think we should value that. And we should see it, you know, that we're fortunate, that we are able to do it, that we're able to compete there. And we are, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm also curious about your um, vaulting platform. How did the idea emerge? Ah, well, it was already in my head for like a few years because I was thinking like, how can we help the vaulting community to grow? And I figured that there was a missing link between uh, people to share knowledge. And on the highest level, it's easy to share knowledge because we all meet each other. We fly around the world. We do clinics and everything, you know, for us, it's easy to, yeah, to know um, how other people are training and, and to get to the, to all the knowledge, which is available, but like the lower level clubs and the lower level trainers, they have no clue because there's nothing if you Google, then you find old articles or you find some articles, but there's like nothing. And if you compare it to dressage or jumping, you can find like thousand videos about how to train. And of course, you still have to figure out which is the good way and which is not a good way. But at least you can find so much knowledge on the Internet uh, that at least helps you to figure out, oh, there's a different technique to train something like this. Or, oh, there's a different way of riding my horse, you know. But for vaulting, it's 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 not visible. So, but it was already in my head for a few years, and well, but I didn't have the time to build it. And then COVID came around the corner, and um, 
I was a bit bored because I was like, okay, I cannot travel. I cannot go on competitions. I don't have clients coming for horses because they simply cannot enter the country. What should I do to, to yeah, fill my time? And of course, I have plenty of things to do, but I want something new, you know. I want to be challenged again. So then I said to my Volta, you know, we just start videoing tutorials and we will see we just make it for the dutch um vaulting people because it's easier to do it in dutch and then after three or four weeks i said why do we only do it in dutch we have plenty of time we can do it in english too so then i built the platform and um but it was a lot of work like more than i expected because <laughs> it's yeah it's very difficult to yeah it sounds like me like all great ideas like oh damn it took so much time <laughs> yeah yeah and i didn't want to invest in someone else building the platform because one i had no clue how COVID would end and it was just a project you know it's it's it, yeah something simple let's say simple but um so i didn't want to invest in other people the platform because I had no idea if I could make money out of it or if I could even pay all the the investments back or something like that. So I thought, okay, just start low level. We just start and we will see. And but so far so good. It's actually quite nice. It's almost a year online now. Um, but it's a lot of work to fill it with videos and with new materials. So I have to see how I'm gonna continue with it. If I ask someone else to help to fill it or um yeah what i'm gonna do i just have to figure it out how how to process but there's at least for like 10 hours of video material on it and a lot to read and it's yeah i think it's it's nice and i hope that was actually my kind of goal that i could um get information and and uh, training methods from other filters from all over the world that we have like one place where people can just share their knowledge and when someone wants to know something that they can go to this platform and, and find it but i know of course that it takes like forever before you build it like that but i hope that people are willing to share their knowledge and to make a video and and explain why they train that way or how they train the swings or whatever but it's difficult because this sport is changing a lot like if you train something um now then it might be different in two years so it's developing it's developing a lot and to make a video tutorial it costs a lot of time because some people think it's just a 10 minute video but it most of the time takes an hour to to build the video to create it so ah, i don't know but i think it's definitely something i'm going to continue with but i just don't know how exactly and which path because to be honest, I just have 24 hours in a day and I just have seven days in a week and there are more things to do. So I have to find out how and what and when and yeah. Well, yeah. I think um, I did um, join your platform, as you know, and yeah. uh, something that I really appreciated was the part for uh, lunging and, and that basic thing, explaining the different things you are using for vaulting. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I, I know the parts, but there are a lot of people who don't. And, and that is just like, that is so simple, but it fills a gap. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I was so happy when I saw it because like, wow, finally. Because 
you have books in German. Yeah. Uh, we have the one that is like the Bible, where everything is covered in sports medicine. It is too huge for some, and for some it's perfect. But it's like, I call it the Bible of vaulting in solely German. And then yeah. we have one that is for vaulting from uh, from the Federation of uh, Writing. Uh, yeah. And that's like a very good basic book. And then we have the one which is for the... I don't know how it's called. If you take like um, a little um, something to pin on, like a pin, you have that yeah. in writing for like dressage or jumping, where you have like you, you go to like it's not a, it's like a contest, but it's not you don't compete against anybody. It's just like for yourself, you're showing off what your skills are. Ah, and then yeah. you get a pin. So a certification kind of thing. Yeah, in different levels, and that is also a book from vaulting. But besides that, I don't know more books in German that are covering vaulting uh, in another way than books for kids uh, or, yeah. or teenagers. Uh, there are some, but that mainly the three books who are like re real for, for, for the sport, um, uh, like thawed through. Okay, there's one for lunging too, but that is not like vaulting, but it's only lunging. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. that's the three books. That is yeah. everything in yeah. solely German. And yeah. yes, I speak German, I read German, but everybody else here in Sweden, when I try to learn anybody anything, yeah. is yeah. I can't give them a book. There yeah. is nothing. And that is why I was like, oh, wow, I love it. I like it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, somebody just started with the basic. And also in countries who maybe see the sport and they want to develop, but they have no idea what to do. What kind of horse should they use? Exactly. How do they think? It's, I, yeah. I love it. And then and, the and training videos, okay, I'm bored today, I don't know what to do. Well, put on a video. Oh, nice exercise, didn't try it. Cool, that's yeah. good. And yeah, uh, and I hope we can reach out to more um, uh, beginning trainers or clubs who want to start with vaulting or like the lower level people. Um, because if they have a good basic and they have a solid program, they can grow. Uh, yes. But it's takes forever for them to figure out what to do and how to do it and why to do it a different way or um, yeah and I think we should take our responsibility as well make sure that the knowledge can reach the lower level people because they have no clue and um, yeah so that's what I like because I like to teach and I like to help other people and during COVID no one could come to my place no one could have clinics um, so I thought yeah let's do it another way because I'm coaching a lot online I'm doing a lot of video coaching but that's like one-on-one -on -one and um, that's not accessible for everybody because yeah. yeah, some people just want to get the knowledge online and don't want to have a class, of course. So I think a platform like that, it's it's easy for people to, yeah, to learn something. And that's what I hope to help um, trainers to yeah, develop their programs and stuff like that. And yeah. Also, I was very impressed because... <clears throat> There was some part that was only in Dutch or, you know, sometimes the translations don't go through. And I, I, I did email you and you replied very fast. I was not oh. prepared for that. It was like, oh, my God. Yeah, she's fast. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, try to. Yeah. I'm not always fast, though. Yeah. I have to admit that I'm sometimes very <laughs> slow in my response. But like things like that, when I'm on the project, I want to have it good. And yeah. it's hard to to build it and there are always things not working and it's so helpful if people just send me an email like hey do you know this is translating weird or it's not working because it's such a big platform and I build it but I don't check it every 
week if it's still working because it's too much time. So I always hope that yeah. people contact me when it's not working or when there's a failure or whatever. Yeah. And I always try to be fast with those things, but I have to admit sometimes I'm a bit slow with responding, but when you're lucky and when I have my office day, then I'm responding within a half an hour or something normally. But yeah. I have been building homepages too. So I know uh, one part is that you get like blind on your own stuff yeah. because after a while you don't see it. It's like you're, you're seeing it like for 10 hours and then you don't see it anymore. And yeah. other times it's like, it just slips through. So I totally understand you. Yeah. And, and also, I think it's better to have something out that is not perfect than to have not done it at all. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. I agree. Because I know a lot of people were talking about something like this, but no one did it. Yeah. And I kind of understand why, because it takes like forever to build it. It's like a massive job to get it done. But now we have a start and I hope that people will help me. Um yeah to put more knowledge on it but it's hard to get people to invest time in it and um yeah yeah well i am there is an idea that emerged maybe from that and from there 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 is one other platform in german though um that is not like me only for vaulting it is for training too but but it's from a vaulter and from that i got the idea okay a homepage about everything in vaulting because there is a lot of things and shops and stuff uh, yeah. out there but it's not always easy to find because if you just go like google vaulting girth or vaulting suit or stuff you can get like a lot from amazon or stuff that is not what you are searching for yeah so <clears throat> I'm, I'm planning on something that will get everything together so it's easier to find Oh, that's, that's good. I miss. That's so, good, I yeah. think. Yeah, so, we do need that. At the moment, I'm just struggling with some struggling with some time management since I'm, yeah. I'm doing uh, since still doing an education to become a nurse anesthesia, um, oh. and, and also vaulting five to six times a week or training five to six times a week. So and yeah. competing. So I'm just yeah. waiting for the competition season to get over so I can like dive into that project again which is perfect for november december but yeah yeah uh, that is something that i have been missing and i hope to um be able to develop that's good step by step so that's yeah. good <laughs> that would be great if you're able to manage to build it yeah sure yeah and also as you say something that it has to have some economic point in it too because i can't do a whole homepage pro bono it's just that yeah but yeah. Uh, I have I have some ideas so so I hope um I hope it will get together and uh, I'm a crazy thinker too maybe I'm just too afraid to jump when it really comes no, to just it. do it you know <laughs> just do it take the chance just do it it's and I'm good. so impressed of you you telling me that you started when you were 24 with your own business I mean that's stunning yeah I think I was 24 but I'm actually not sure maybe a bit earlier but <laughs> yeah, but I like to um, challenge myself, so I like to jump into the deep water and just swim very hard to survive. And um, yeah, you know, if you don't take risk in life, then you don't see the beautiful things in life. Because if you take risk, if you go to places where no one else is going, if you 
try to do things no one else is doing, then you see the beautiful things. And if you just do what everybody does, then you see what everybody sees, you know? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. But it's sometimes I'm like, Minka, why? Why do you do this to yourself? Why do you want to do so many things all by yourself in your company and everything? Because it's like I have a big responsibility. And when you're employee at a company, then you know for sure every month you have the same money going to your bank account and you know what you're doing and you have a house and you know how to pay your bills and like it's all secure. And with my life, I'm like, okay, I... I it's never secure. I never know what's happening. I never know what's next, but that's actually also the beauty. But sometimes I am a little bit afraid. I have like one day a year that I'm like, why the heck am I doing this? <laughs> but well, You know, yeah. it's very charming to hear those words because I'm thinking the same, but in a more secure life. So you see, it doesn't matter what you do. You will always have the thoughts about it, about what if... What if yeah. I wouldn't do what I'm doing? What if yeah, I would do the other thing? And I think everybody thinks like, what does all? What uh, does another people? Uh, no, how do I say it? What does other people think about what I'm doing? You know, we care about others' opinion, and um, but you know, one thing I learned is that they always have an opinion about you. It really doesn't matter what you're doing. If you don't do it or you do it, they always have an opinion about you. They always think something about you and they always talk negative about you in some way. You know, there are always people doing that. And then it really doesn't matter what you're doing. So if people don't take a chance because they're afraid that other people are thinking something about it, just stop that because they're thinking something about it anyways. It doesn't matter, you know? And that's something I learned because, yeah, I figured out it doesn't matter what I do. They always talk about it or they always have something to say about it. They always think I should have done it different, you know? It, it's There are always people like that. So we shouldn't be afraid and we shouldn't let us down by those people because, yeah. Because yeah. you should still live your life happily, and uh, that yeah. does not, um, it does not, it should not concern anybody else because it's your life and nobody else's. Yeah, and you're responsible for your own luck. No one yeah. else is. It's just you, and you should do what makes you happy. And of course, you have responsibilities to other people, and we have rules in in our country, and we have, you know, you have things you have to manage, but. All the other things you can do whatever you want as long as it is it does fit the rules of the of yeah. the government and things like that then it's no problem and yeah what you say it's you're responsible for your own luck yeah oh yeah. very beautiful words thank you so much <laughs> you're welcome for being on the podcast today because I think yes. it's a perfect time to round round down how do you say um round up <laughs> yeah after one and a half hour we have problems with talking i think <laughs> yeah well but there's still we could talk uh, hours i think because you have so uh, much to talk about it's so interesting so i'm so I, happy I to have you on the podcast today really <laughs> good i enjoyed it thank you i enjoyed it a lot If you have any questions or ideas for new episodes of this pod, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us through Instagram, where the name is The Vaulting Blog, or by email, which is thevaultingblog at gmail.com.